You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Chris Neal. I'm glad you guys are here. And let's start out like this this morning. So my beautiful wife, Katie, sometimes you see her out there at the connect table. We were reminiscing, we were like reminiscing last, last week about, about the good old days when we first started dating. And, and you know, when, when you first start dating, everybody's on their best behavior. Most of the time, you don't want to, you know, mess it up right off. And, and you say, excuse me, when you burp. And, and then somebody tells a joke, you laugh, but you don't do like your normal laugh. You go say, tee-hee, tee-hee. That's, that's what Katie did. And, and you hold doors open, and, and you pull out chairs, and you're just on your best behavior. And, and, and you tell her how beautiful she is, and, oh, you're right about that, honey. You know, you're just right. And then over time, it kind of happens, and then one day, you kind of drop your guard just a little bit, and that's when things start to get interesting. And that's when Katie and I, we had our first fight. I know, it's shocking, but we did. But the cool thing about this, you're never in a million years going to guess what our first fight was about, because it's a ridiculous fight. It really is, in the scheme of of everything. But our first fight was about how to make corn dogs. (laughs) Yes. Hashtag corn dogs. But it really was. So we're, Katie had this tradition growing up when she was younger, and her dad, he would make homemade corn dogs and pork and beans. And when I heard that tradition, I said, I'm marrying this lady. That's all I know. <laughs> and I know it's kind of a lame, sounds lame, but she's got better traditions too. But, but this was one of them, and, and it was just a way to kind of celebrate with her dad and stuff, and he made them. So one weekend, we're visiting Katie's parents, and, and her dad, he was sick, and he had cancer, and, and she was kind of light, trying to lighten the mood, and so she brought corn dog night back and had some pork and beans. And, and because I'm a man, I started giving her suggestions on how she should make the corn dogs, even though I'd never even made a corn dog in my whole life. I had no knowledge of how to make a corn dog. I just kept giving her these suggestions. And I should have been able to, to read the room and realize this night wasn't even about corn dogs. It was about Katie trying to, you know, just have a moment with her dad and bond with her dad. And I just kept making these suggestions. And Katie, she got upset with me, but I, I couldn't tell at that point in our relationship. Because she didn't really like conflict, so she just kind of slipped outside and started putting a box fan together that was going to go in her dad's room and... And so, of course, me being a man, I went outside, and guess what I started giving her? More suggestions on how to put the box fan together. And then it finally happened. She snapped, and and she goes, well, Mr. Suggestion's got another suggestion. (laughs) And it was in that moment that I realized I had crossed the relationship line. But also we worked through that, and the word corn dog actually became this code word for our relationship. So if somebody got upset, or somebody got frustrated, or somebody crossed the relationship line, or if I started making too many suggestions, all the other person had to say, corn dog. Sometimes walking in, <laughs> walk in the house like, corn dog, <laughs> or she even said anything. <sighs> But that's all they had to say. And it really helped our relationship. Like It helped our relationship so much that we decided we were ready to get married. More about the marriage story here in a few minutes. But you're probably wondering, like, what the heck has this story even got to do with, with, with slaves? Like, no longer slaves. I'm not a slave to corn dogs, I can tell you that. But I told you this story because it's a simple example of, of how we can become slaves to our pride. 
because I believe that my suggestions were the most important suggestions that needed to be heard that day. And when we're prideful, anger and, and apathy, kind of this distantness and insecurities, they can kind of become the master of our hearts if we're really not careful. Because at some point in every relationship, you're going to get offended. At some point, somebody's going to offend you or you're going to offend somebody else. And usually the person that's offended or feels the offense, is, it, it believes that their voice is the most important in the relationship, whether they, they know this or not. And they believe their voice is the most important on social media or the most important voice in the room. And before we realize it, we become a slave to our pride. And so there's a story in the Bible that connects two men. And one that let pride just kind of take over his life and one humbled himself before God. And so in this story that we're getting ready to go over, we're going to see these two men. And we're going to see the eternal impact that choosing to be a slave to pride has. And we're going to see the eternal promise that choosing to be a slave to humility offers us. And so with all that in mind, we're going to start out in Isaiah 6 today. We'll be in Isaiah most of the day. And Isaiah starts out like this. It says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, each having six wings. With two, each covered his face. And with two, each covered his feet. And with two, each flew around. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds, they trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And so in this passage, Isaiah, he's having this vision. And he sees God high and lifted up. And he sees God and he sees these seraphim. And they're, they're flying around. And they're going, holy, holy, holy. And their praise is shaking the foundation of the temple. And these seraphim, they're actually there to protect and proclaim the holiness of God. But man, they are doing their job so amazingly that their praises are changing the atmosphere. And for some reason, when I read that story, most of the time I'm drawn to Isaiah. And I, I kind of want to identify with him. But the other day when I was reading this story... Uh, Uzziah just stuck out to me, and I was like, man, I sure would like to learn more about Uzziah. And all of a sudden, I Google it, and here you go, look at this. You can learn all about King Uzziah in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And so I'm going to give you like a little quick paraphrase of his life, and then we'll go a little deeper. But So Uzziah, he was 16 years old when he became king. That's crazy, isn't it? But he reigned in Jerusalem for 52 years. And Uzziah, he did at first what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And guess what the Lord did? The Lord prospered him. He became so prosperous and so powerful that his fame and his notoriety and nobody messed with Israel during this time, all the way to the borders of Egypt, they knew that God was with him. In fact, as long as God was with him, God gave him success. And Uzziah kept all of his enemies at bay. And Uzziah's fame just spread, and he became this very, very powerful man. And then in uh, 2 Chronicles 26, verses 16 through 21, something interesting happens. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. 
And Azariah, the chief priest, along with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, they followed him in there. And they confronted King Uzziah. And they said, it is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. And Uzziah had this censer as a bucket full of burning coals, and he became angry. And then listen to this, while he was raging at the priest in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. And when Azariah, the chief priest, and the other priests, they looked at him and they saw he had leprosy on his forehead. And so they hurried him out of the temple. Indeed, Uzziah himself was eager to leave. I bet he was because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous, and banned from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people. So a great man who did great things, when he was close to God, lived in humility, let pride take over, and he forfeited his legacy. Like, he didn't even get to be buried in the king's burial chamber. He was buried near them in a field. And all that was on his tombstone was he had leprosy. He, man, a great man with a great kingdom destiny was destroyed when he became a slave to his pride. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says about pride. We talked about him a little bit last week. Unchastity, which is like sexual immorality. So unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all of that. Guess what those are? Those are mere flea bites in comparison to pride. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. Pride is the complete anti-God state of mind and that's where we're headed this morning and I wanted to start with that story about Uzziah because I think it parallels the story of Isaiah super cool in a super cool way uh, because Isaiah humbled himself before the Lord and he followed God passionately and Isaiah was also a prophet in King Uzziah's court so he hung out with the king a lot and he got to see the king when he was humble and how God prospered him. And then he got to see the king as the king became prideful and it led to his downfall. And in the passage that we read earlier, Isaiah is now seeing the true king in his temple high and lifted up and the thresholds are shaking. And Isaiah realizes that he is unclean. Isaiah may even be realizing that he's in danger of letting his pride take over. And this is where we pick up the story. Isaiah 6, 6-8. And then one of the seraphim flew with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and has made atonement for you. And I heard the voice laying and said, Whom shall I send? Who will go before us? Isaiah says, send me. Isaiah initiates everything, and our God initiates everything in this passage. It's God who controls the seraphim. It's God who removes the guilt. It's God who forgives the sins. It's God who asks the questions. All Isaiah has to say is, here I am, Lord, send me. Like, we've all been there before, where our pride kind of starts to seep in, and, and 
and we get to choose whether or not we're going to be prideful or, or whether or not we're going to like, follow God and his ways. I mean, we've all been there at the stoplight, and pride kind of seeps in. Some of us, we don't even want to stop at the stoplight, right? We believe we shouldn't have to wait as long as all these other people are waiting. And our pride seeps in, and we get impatient, and we do and say things that we shouldn't. On social media, we believe our voice is the most like, powerful voice, the most promising voice, the most important voice. And we lash out and we do and we say things that we shouldn't. In our marriage, we believe that we're right and our pride seeps in and we stonewall or we treat our, our spouses like servants or we just ignore them in our parenting, in our work life. And the list, it just goes on and on and on. We become entitled to our own thoughts and opinions and preferences and comforts and conveniences. We become prideful. And then we dispute these words like venom when our actions on all the people that are around us. And most of the time, it's the people we love the most. We take matters into our own hands just like Uzziah did. And it goes on with Isaiah. He sees this and he sees all this. And then in verse 5, he says this. He said, I am ruined. Like He said, woe to me, for I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For that my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. My eyes have seen the King. We're seeing the King this morning. And Isaiah's vision, it has him on the ground. That's an extreme position of humility and humbleness. And he sees the truth of who he really is. And in that light, like he sees the king for who he really is. And Isaiah sees the pride that's in his life. And hopefully today and online, we'll start really looking for the pride that's in our life. We'll say, I am a sinful man. I am a sinful woman. Like, Come into my life again, God. Because I want to see you high and lifted up. God is always ready to initiate another relationship with us. God is always ready to initiate a relationship with us again. Just like the verse we just read talked about. But how do we do this? And how do we remove like, this guilt from our life and this pride from our life? And how do we replace pride with humility? It's, it's a lot of work and a lot of stuff you got to work through. And it takes every day. It really does. But just like Isaiah, we got to look at the lens of who we really are through the lens of who God really is. And just like we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, it's time to take another selfie. That's right, the duck face selfie's dead. It's time to take another selfie. You look at yourself through God's word and through the people that are around you, and you look at your life, and you use that to see the areas of your life where you're unclean. To see the areas of your life where, where God wants you to be a messenger, but this, this area of pride is holding you back. God wants us to be his representatives for him to the world. And just like I told you earlier, I want to use this corn dog you know, story in our marriage. We use corn dog kind of as a code word when something goes wrong. And it worked great to manage conflicts at first, but you might be surprised that when someone gets offended in a marriage, the word horn dog doesn't solve every marriage problem. But I did, I thought we were on to something. Like, hey, now we're gonna write this book called The Corn Dog Marriage. And it's gonna be great. So it didn't work out that way. And so we ended up going to counseling. Actually, 
Katie went to counseling first, and after a couple sessions, she came home one day, and she goes, the guy would like to see you too. And I said, of course he would. <laughs> I said, I'd expect nothing less. <laughs> but I knew, like I knew, I knew we needed some help. And I swallowed my pride, and we went to counseling. And he gave us some great tools and stuff to help us through and work through some things. But he also would give us homework. And, and at that time, he, like I started reading Proverbs. And I read Proverbs every day for three years, one chapter a day. But one day I'm reading Proverbs and I stumbled across this verse. Proverbs 13.10. It says this. It says, where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Where there is strife. There is pride. And that verse got all over me because I knew it was for Katie. <laughs> so where's she at? I got to tell her this verse. There's pride. So ask yourself, where there is anger, there is pride. Where there's bitterness, pride. Where there's conflict, pride. Where there's arguments, like fighting, bickering, offending, pride. And that verse, it changed our marriage, it changed our life when we started to apply that verse to our life. Like it really did. It changed us. Over time, we went from being slaves to our pride to being a slave to God and his word. Over time, we started having a God-honoring marriage. And it didn't happen overnight. And we're, trust us, we're not perfect. But I see it happening in so many areas of my life. And so as you look for pride in areas of your life this week, ask yourself, like, why does this make me so angry? Why am I so bitter about this area of my life? Why am I so easily offended? Why am I tempted to just to offend others? You know how we go around just pushing each other's buttons? That's pride. And these are red flags. And you got to ask yourself, like, why am I so angry right now? Where's the strife in me? The Bible says that's pride. Why am I so bitter? Why am I so offended? And if you can't figure out on your own why you're carrying around so much pride in all these areas of your life, then it's just like we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. It's time to share the selfie. It's time to get real counseling. It's time to swallow your pride and to get real help. Because prideful people, we don't ask for help because we're already right. So why would we do that? Wisdom is found in those who take advice. And just like we've been saying over and over again, share your selfie with others. Share it. Seek wise counsel. And I've got one more story for you about how you can apply God's word and being with God to help you change areas of your life. And so about two years ago, we were studying Genesis, and in, in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, we started learning the, the, word, the Hebrew words for what is good and what is bad. So the good things that happen in Genesis, you know, God sees all this stuff, and he makes all this stuff, and at the end, he says, this is good. This is tov, T-O-V, tov, not tov, tov. And then we learn the word for all the bad things that happen in Genesis. Like when, when the serpent comes in or, or when the, we like they eat from the forbidden tree and all that stuff, that's raw, R-A. So raw comes into the garden. That's the bad things that come into our lives. And in Genesis, we learn this, that God gets to define what is tov and God gets to define what is raw. 
Like God gets to be the judge of what is good and what is bad, not us. So during this Genesis series, like I'm driving home and we've had a rough patch and just in our life, not really in the mirror, but just in just some tough times. And somebody gets behind me in this Ram truck and all I can see, old Ram truck, so I had this huge Ram right in the middle of his grill. All I can see in my rearview mirror is Ram. And he, they, he, she, whatever, they're just on me. And I normally, like, I, I rarely have anybody behind me, like I'm driving slow. You know, I, I drive, I don't drive fast, but I drive efficient. <laughs> I rarely, man. And so, so I sped up. And this guy, this person's still behind me. And so then I really sped up, and they're still back there. And for some reason, this made me a little upset. I'm ashamed to tell this story, but for some reason, I forgot that I was a pastor, right? <laughs> and so I pulled over super fast. And then waited for them to pass, and I went back behind them, and I was going to follow them real close to the low water bridge, and then give them a little nudge, and say, prepare to meet God, Ram Truck. <laughs> but I would never do that, because I'm a pastor, and I love people, right? But seriously, this, I was going to give this person some super up-close action, just like they had been giving me. And I get up behind them, and on the back of their tailgate, they got the big ram. But what had happened is the M had fallen off of the back of the tailgate. So right in front of me, two big, two big letters that said, raw, man. And it changed me. It changed how I was acting. Like it changed how I was driving. Like it changed me. The word of God and studying Genesis changed me. Just imagine what might have happened that night if I hadn't been studying God and his word. And I felt really bad. I was like, what are you doing, Chris? You're so dumb. Like, what are you even doing? This is all vapor, mist. You're just chasing the wind. Why are you doing this? And in that moment, I did what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. I deleted the selfie. In that moment, man, I ran to God's throne of grace, and I started to beg for his forgiveness because I realized in this area of my life that I was unclean. And I asked for God's mercy and God's forgiveness. And I asked for God to purify me, and, like, purify me and humble me in this area of my life. I asked for God to help me. Because I want to be a messenger for God. And I can't do that running people off the road, probably. Probably not very effective. <laughs> anyway. And then some of you are here today. And you're like, thank God I don't have a problem with pride. Man, where's my spouse at? That's not my problem, but I'm sure a lot of people do. There's no way I have a problem with pride. Well, listen to this before you go any further. So maybe you say, well, I don't really get that angry. I don't really like having conflicts. I kind of shrink back. Maybe you say, I just like to hide or avoid conflicts to protect myself. Like, I don't even care if my voice is heard. My voice doesn't even matter. No one cares how, they, how I think or what I feel, right? But hear me when I tell you. That insecurity is not the opposite of pride. Insecurity is pride that is partnered with fear. So this is pride. Pride is an awareness of your own dignity. Pride is an awareness of your own self-worth. So whenever you allow your awareness of yourself or your awareness of your self-worth to control your thoughts and your actions... And they control what you will or will not do and what you will or will not say. That is another form of pride. So welcome to the pride party. <laughs> Everybody's offended now. 
did my job this morning. But we overcome insecurity the same way we overcome pride. And first, we look at ourselves and who we really are through the lens of who God really is. We ask God to come into our hearts. We seek wise counsel. We ask God to lead us and, and, and direct us. And just like Isaiah, here I am, God, send me. I want to be a messenger for you. And so wherever you fall on the pride spectrum, whether it's over here, super prideful, or over here, insecurity and fear, and most of us probably fall somewhere in the middle, I want you to know that there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who love God. And the cool thing is we have an intercessor for us. Somebody is praying for you right now as we speak. Romans 8, 33 through 34. Romans 8, 33 through 34. It says, who will bring charges against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, but rather was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Right now, interceding for us. I love that passage because God deserved, like, he deserves to be high and lifted up. And God chose to come down to earth in the form of Jesus. God chose to come down and be a slave for us. And so today is a great day to choose to be a slave of God again. Or maybe for the first time ever, or the first time in a long time. Today is a great day to choose to be a slave of God. We got prayer team here in the back. Online, if you need prayer, there's somebody there that will help you. But don't leave here today with this pride controlling your heart. Because he's chosen us to be his messengers for some crazy reason. He uses us to be his messengers to the world. And pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. And so during this last song and over the next week, ask yourself, where there is strife, where there is friction, maybe it's pride. And maybe there's a one in a million shot. Yes, I get a chance to be right in this area of my life. Maybe one in a million. But there's probably another million more. It's probably pride. So ask God to search your heart. Where are you allowing pride to rule your life this week? And in this last song, man, don't leave here. These altars are open. Like people want to pray with you. Share the selfie. But ask yourself, where am I allowing anger? Like to really, because anger kind of kind of festers, it kind of kind of seeps into our life, and then it kind of just goes and kind of just goes out into every area of our life. It really does. And insecurities. Like what, what are you, what's holding you back? God is here today, and God is asking, whom should I send? I know a few of you. Here I am, God, send me. Here I am, God, send me. Amen? If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.